All right, y'all, round motherfucking three. Yes. Meow, 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 meow. We're back with some more Buffy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. We can't get rid of her. We can't. Uh, We started this episode like a month ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And I only have honorable mentions left in this episode, so I won't be talking a majority of the time, hopefully. Um, So you can be thankful for that. (laughs) No, I think we definitely very much appreciate your insight because it is – I think I can speak for Jordan – Two is it's way better than anything that we're gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> it is your time to shine. It is your episode, and I do. I kind of feel bad that, like, not that this is bad, but that like Courtney and Kayleen did not get as uh, lengthy of time. But here's the thing: they all three of them know that they can come on and be on this podcast. Yes, any episode anytime we do not care we don't give a fuck y'all can come join our podcast doesn't matter (laughs) y'all are always welcome yay i echo that as well it's just we packed a lot into this episode there's there's a lot to talk about there's just so much content too you know there's just like it's not like a movie it's like it's seven seasons of a tv show (laughs) exactly exactly keep talking no i'm just kidding Get ready. <laughs> okay, so um, when when we ended it, we ended it on the body, right? Yes. yes. And the body is season five, episode what? Episode sixteen. Okay, so then, do we have anything later in season five? I do. <laughs> Go ahead. Go right. This ahead. is uh, my first honorable mention, so I won't be speaking about the episode at length. But this is the gift. Season 5, episode 22, it's the season finale of season 5. Oh, hell yeah. It's a very important episode. It is the 100th episode of the series. Wow. Which I think is pretty kismet. This episode also serves as the WB finale of the series because after this, the series moved to UPN channel for the remainder of the series. I don't know what that is because I always watch them on box set, but that is the case. Okay, so what happens in the episode is that the gang gets together to save Dawn, who's been captured by the big bad of the season, Glory. She's a god. And Dawn is going to be sacrificed because she's actually secretly a mythical, what they refer to as the key, which is going to open up a, a hell portal, unleash hell on earth, and Glory can return to the dimension that she came from, right? But she's going to leave this hellscape in her wake. Yeah. The gang gets together to rescue Dawn. And at the end of the episode, Buffy sacrifices herself and dies, which is so crazy. (laughs) It's the main character of the series. This episode was originally written to serve as the series finale. And actually several ideas that were used in the real finale were originally written for this episode and just moved to later. And the only thing I wanted to talk about, because on the whole, I don't think that the episode is that great, but the ending packs a fucking punch, okay? Sure does. Buffy has reached the top of this massive tower where Dawn is tied up. The ritual has already begun, which is using Dawn's blood through like a series of knife slices to open up the portal. So there's no going back. She gets to the top of the tower, 
They're like, it's too late. And Buffy looks out onto the opening hell portal and there's this beautiful sunrise coming out. And it's this beautiful score like happening. And she tells Dawn to listen to her. And then they let the, the creators of the show, you know, Joss Whedon, I'm not sure who wrote this episode, but he lets them have this private moment. We don't get to hear what she says. And we see Dawn reacting to whatever Buffy is saying. And then Sarah Michelle Gellar just is so great in this moment. She looks so content and so confident and completely at peace. And she looks beautiful too. And she turns around without any hesitation and bolts and runs and swan dives off this tower into the portal. And then we get to hear this private moment that Buffy says to Don. And if I say the whole thing, I'm going to cry. But at the end of the monologue, she says, the hardest thing in this world is to live in it. So be brave, live for me. And we... At the end of the episode, we see all the characters who know and love Buffy. They find her body and they all look <laughs> so grief stricken. Everyone is so devastated. Spike's face crumbles in his hands. And then at the very end of the episode, we get to see Buffy's tombstone. And there's an epitaph on the tombstone. It says Buffy Ann Summers, 1981 to 2001, beloved sister, devoted friend. She saved the world a lot. (laughs) 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 And that is the end of the season. Like, it's just so beautiful. It really was a good ending, to be honest, you know? And I just love that moment. I think about that score all the time. I just, I think about that ending all the time. I think it was just brilliant, you know? And you kill off your main character. Holy shit. Man, and I knew that there were going to be seasons after episode after uh, season five, but I was like, "What the fuck? Like, <laughs> what's gonna happen?" She's totally. dead. I felt the same way, and I remember like looking at my sister, like, "Wait, there's there's more to this. She can't actually die." And she's like, "No, she's dead. She is dead." How long do we? sit without them bringing her back yeah like timeline wise i really don't know like i think it's months several months it's it's so long that buffy's body has decayed you know because we get to see inside her grave in the end of the first episode of the next season like her eyeballs like animation come back into her skull like crazy yeah jeez i do think that this set forth a very interesting conflict for the rest of the show or at least the next season that um was kind of unexpected because you'd think that like if you die and are brought back to life that's something that is like holy shit i get a second chance like that never happens that you should be grateful but buffy it's a very big part of the show where she's like i was in heaven and i was thrust out of that and it's just that was such an unexpected way for her to deal with that and i it does make sense that like as someone who is Mm -hmm. kind of very afraid of death that like having that reaction and it gives a it sheds a different light on death i guess in real life and in context with the show especially with the stuff going on with her mom like it's a big deal and i appreciate that they did that yeah and then that part where it, it, it is revealed that she was in heaven she tells spike i was in heaven yeah and then she says this is hell 
you know? Yeah. Ugh. Yep. And that they can and, never and, know. She like won't doesn't yeah. want to tell them that. Yeah. It's a secret that she has to keep from her friends because like obviously you're supposed to be grateful for something like that, but mm-hmm. I mean, is it a selfish act that they did that? I you know, it's it's complicated and that's really cool to explore. This is just the way I look at it though. Like I'd also be like just going ham on people though, because like if I die, like I know for sure there's a heaven now. Like I'm just going right back <laughs> up there. Bam. Yeah, very true. Until Willow brings me back again. <laughs> yeah. And that's it for season five. All right. So that means that it is time for Once More with Feeling, the classic musical episode that we all know and love. So good. So campy, so cheesy, but what a great time. Yeah. uh, Just to kind of summarize it, there is a uh, Buffy kind of wakes up and is or is she did she start off during a watch? I, I don't remember when the singing started. So they wake up and it's sort of like you get you get this idea that everything is uh, somewhat like musical, but you can't hear anybody singing. And the first song takes place during a watch, though. They do the Buffy okay. the Vampire Slayer credits first, and it's like oh, yeah. a kind yeah. of like a show tuney kind of bum 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 bum. Like, yeah, and yeah. they have the characters like in a little circle, kind of like laughing. And and I remember watching this episode for the first time with my sister and us being like. What is going on? Like, are we watching Buffy right now? This isn't right. (laughs) One of my favorite parts of it was they, with no explanation, go into this first song. And then Buffy goes to the, the magic shop where the rest of the gang is. And she kind of casually brings up, she's like, did anyone else feel different today and everyone all at once was kind of like we thought we were the only ones and i thought that that was brilliant so like the whole episode is sort of about um the town is sort of plagued by uh this inability to not go into song and dance uh kind of just like it's a it's a musical episode there's a lot of musical numbers everyone's singing everyone's dancing yeah definitely a break from from the formula for sure I wanted to talk about some of my favorite quotes from this. Uh, The you make me complete Mm -hmm. song with Tara and Willow. Just so clever. Just her repeating. You make me complete over and over again. So (laughs) fucking brilliant. (laughs) It's so funny. And then she does go down on her. So there's no mistaken. No mistake. She like rises up in ecstasy. Like, it's so funny. (laughs) But it's not about sex. Um, It's it's a metaphor. (laughs) Shut shut up. That's a a deep cut callback because we talked about that like in the first episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh man. I also want to bring up this had me cackling, and this is one of the reasons why Anya is one of my favorite characters. I think. Uh, Dawn is trying to uh, she comes in later after everyone is realizing that everyone you know is singing and dancing and Dawn's like oh my god the craziest thing happened today (laughs) and they all kind of brush it off like yeah we know we've been there already and then she goes well I gave birth to a pterodactyl and Anya goes oh my god did it sing (laughs) (laughs) so good brilliant I love her so much and then one other quote and we can kind of talk about this later this is sort of towards the end of the uh, episode Buffy's at the bronze. She's in front of the demon that is causing all of this. 
Giles, <clears throat> excuse me, Giles enters with the rest of the, the Scooby gang and he says she needs backup. And I didn't pick up on this the first time, but the second time I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. This means something <laughs> else. You immediately think that she needs help fighting, but no, Anya and Tara become her backup dancers. Yeah. So clever. So clever. So clever. <laughs> um, before I get into like the things you didn't know, did anyone else have any immediate thoughts about the episode that they wanted to share? I don't remember like when we talked about this, Jordan, but you said that you didn't think that this episode was super significant except for the fact that it was a musical episode. It is yeah. a turning point in like most of the characters' trajectories here. Like talk about it. Because um, let's talk about it. So they wanted to create this musical episode when they needed to. They didn't want to have a musical episode and have it be like, oh, we're running out of ideas. Like we have to have it. it has to be right. And all these characters at this point are grappling with like secrets right now. And musical numbers happen in like regular musicals when regular dialogue can't express the things that are deep down inside you that you need to say. And so it's like so expert that this demon comes in that's forcing people to combust into song and dance and they're forced to like say their inner monologues and stuff like that. And we learn in this episode that Giles doesn't feel like he should be, you know, with Buffy anymore, taking care of Buffy anymore, that Anya and Xander have cold feet about their wedding. True. That Spike, you know, has these complex, confusing feelings for Buffy that Buffy was in heaven. It's it's the episode where she tells everybody, I was in heaven and this is how... And they realize the depth of what they've done, you know? And this is the intro to the Buffy and Spike romance storyline. Gotcha. I gotcha. Which is so crazy. It's so <laughs> crazy. Like, immediately, I think because I knew the rest of the season that, like... Bigger things happen to these characters. Mm-hmm. Like Tara dies, obviously. Yeah. And um, you know. Uh so I think like What? <laughs> <laughs> within the scope of the show, it did to me immediately feel maybe less significant. But you're absolutely right. Like a lot of things were revealed. And like, you know, even though they don't get married, they still have their wedding and uh, yeah. uh Anya and um and Xander. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I do also want to bring up the designs of the the henchmen. Those are fucking terrifying. Those like ventriloquist <laughs> dummy masks. Yeah. So scary. Yeah. So, so scary. Not gentleman scary, but still scary. Do you guys think it's a callback to the puppet episode in season one? Yes. It might be. That I did come up in my research. Yeah. Oh, is it is it actually a callback? Oh, I don't know if it is, but it, I, I know that that, oh, that oh, like oh, I had to look up that doll episode because of all this research. Uh, yeah. So it very well could have been. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. Well could have been. What is your favorite song of the episode? I like the first one. Uh, when she's in the graveyard? Yeah, in the graveyard. Mm. I really like that. I think it was really funny when he's like, she frees that guy and he's like, how can I repay you? And she's like, whatever. And just turns around yeah. and walks away. <laughs> the writing is so good in this episode. Like the lyrics are like actually really good and very musical-esque. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like it could be very easy to make this bad and it's not bad. It's really good. And it doesn't really even matter that a majority of the cast are not the best singers. Like it's so hilarious and so committed that it doesn't matter. Oh, you know what? No, I'm sorry. I'm going to change my answer. Yeah. I'm forgetting what it's called. Okay. Giles has this guy strung up in his basement 
and he's uh, cutting into him. Oh, stop. And <laughs> Shut up. Out his organs. <laughs> what? Oh, my gosh. So, Do you guys know this one? When yes. Courtney and Aaron did um, repo the genetic opera, they told me that he got that role from this episode of Buffy. Isn't that so cool? That is amazing. I absolutely love that. He is... <laughs> Just the fucking best. He's the best. He has a beautiful voice. He does. My favorite song is uh, Walk Through the Fire. And they like all sing Let It Burn together and the fire trucks like go past them in the back. So cool. It's part of my notes that Joss Whedon mentioned that that was the greatest. Or maybe I'm phrasing this wrong, but he that is like one of the top moments of the entire show was was that moment with the fire trucks and how like funny and clever that was. It's epic as hell. That is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. What is your favorite song, Jordan? I think my favorite unsurprisingly is uh, Xander and Anya's little duet that they do. That one is so good. They're all so good. You guys, they're all so good. (laughs) Yeah. They all really are great. Uh, So some fun facts about this episode. Uh, It was one of the most, unsurprisingly, one of the most technically difficult episodes to film uh, because most of the cast members were not experienced with singing or dancing, which was apparent, I think, in some moments. Uh, But they did spend three months in voice training and dance training to prep for this episode. This was not Sarah Michelle Gellar's favorite thing. Uh, She was very on edge the whole time and very hesitant about this. Uh, she dreaded doing her lines to like so much so to the point where Joss Whedon suggested a voice double for her because she was just so nerve wracked about it. And Jewel was considered, but she replied to that request. I basically started to cry and said, you mean someone else is going to do my big emotional turning point for the season? Uh, she says in the end, it was an incredible experience and she was glad that she did it, but she never wanted to do it again. Wow. And I read somewhere that uh, for the next show that she signed on for, I don't remember what it was called, but she was like, only if there is not a singing number. Like, that was her one condition. Oh, man. <laughs> so. Uh, Allison Hannigan had similar uh, hesitations. She requested as few lines as possible, and uh, that is why she does not have a solo or duet in this episode, because yeah. she was very hesitant about singing as well. Uh, This episode was voted number one in TV Guide's viewers poll for the top 50 top musical moments on television from 1990 to 2002, in 2002. Wow. There were several cast members that made cameos, including the choreographers and the writers. Yeah. In fact, yeah, David Fury was the They Got the Mustard Out song guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and Marty Knoxon was the guy getting the parking ticket. So the, those were she, writers on the show. That she was getting videos. the ticket. Yeah, Marty Knoxon's a girl. She, oh, yeah, yeah. He was. Yeah. He would. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, yes, you're correct. My bad. I promise I watched this episode. So <laughs> <laughs> All of the main characters did their own singing. But the only, as we mentioned, the only singers with experience were James Marsters. Uh, Amber Benson, who plays Tara, is also an experienced singer and Anthony head. Uh, like you mentioned, he was in repo. I didn't know this, but apparently he was in some Rocky horror as Frankenfurter yes. Yes. for a while. Yes. Yes. I would kill to see that. He's that also in a uh, Godspell, I think. Is he really? I think so. Wow. Yeah. He's just the best. He's, He's so, so cool. great. 
The actor who played the head demon was plucked from Broadway after one of the producers saw him in The Wiz, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. And this last note, I don't know if this was just a typo, but it says, quote, this is the highest rated show of the series. I don't know if that was trying to say episode of the series, but if it did, then... I'm sure it's episode of the series, yeah. Yeah. That's all my fun facts, yeah. I will add to that and say... (laughs) Yeah, no, please. Do you guys ever watch So You Think You Can Dance? Mm-mm. No. no, I know of the concept. The dance show? No. Oh, uh, if you watch So You Think You Can Dance, one of the judges and choreographers on the show is Adam Shankman, and he was the choreographer for this episode. Nice. And That's cool. I, I remember, I wish that I wrote it down, but ages ago I saw an interview with James Marsters who talked about being introduced to the concept of this episode, and Joss Whedon went away and came back with a score and a recording of every song. And he sings on it. And then whoever wrote it with him, a woman wrote it with him, I think. She sings on it, too. And it's, it's, I heard it was his wife. Was it his wife at the time? I think it was his I wife. Know. Kai or something. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Her name. And mm-hmm. they are not great singers. And yeah. <laughs> it sounded terrible. And James Marsters, I'm pretty sure, you know, in this interview, he goes, what are you doing? You're going to tank our careers. Like, <laughs> And... This ends up being like one of the most beloved episodes of the whole series. You know, it's so cool. We talk about these big swings that the show takes. Mm-hmm. Again, every single episode we've talked about has been some departure in some way, some sort of big risk taken. Yeah. And it worked. Okay, I'm next. This is my last honorable mention. I'm not going to talk about the whole episode, but I just wanted to talk to you guys about this because this has plagued me my entire life ever since watching this episode and now I'm bringing you in okay (laughs) and you guys already watched the episode but I just think about this like a lot I think about this a lot this is season six episode 17 called normal again where Buffy is fighting a demon and she gets stabbed by this demon and when she gets stabbed by this demon she awakens in this alternate universe where she's in a um mental institution and her mom is alive and her parents are together and there's a doctor there who tells her that in her subconscious she's made up this alternate reality where she is some hero and she's some slayer and she gets to protect all of her friends and which seems more real that universe or a universe where she's a a sick girl with delusions you know and it's just like a crazy episode I don't really like care about the demon or anything like that or what happens like later in in the episode. But eventually Buffy in this other universe tells her parents goodbye. Like she's decided to go into this quote unquote imaginary world from that side of the reality. Right. Which is the reality. The reality that we know that she's going into is the real reality. Right. Yeah. And so Buffy's going to resume. But then... The episode is over and we go back to the other reality where Buffy is now catatonic and her parents are still there and they're like, she's gone. I'm sorry. And they cry. And I'm like, what is real? What is real? Why do they do that? Why did they fucking do that? And it, it plagues me all the time. And then at that around that same time, I was like really heavily into Tumblr and <laughs> this thing comes up on my Tumblr. It's just like a picture and it says... Something along the lines of like, you're in a coma, wake up. We sent this into your, like your memory banks to like help wake you up. Like if you're seeing this, wake up, right? Oh my 
God. And I, I scrolled past that and I was like, whoa. And it reminded me of this Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode. And I was like, saved it. And then I was like, went away. And then sometimes I'll scroll past it and see it again. And I'm like, what is this, man? Like, <laughs> and I was trying to like think about it really hard for a second. I'm like, where am I? Like, what reality am I in? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, that, that episode really fucked with me and still does to this day. That's a very unnerving episode. Yeah. Very clever mechanic in the in the series of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Scary. Like, there are a lot of times where the scariest episodes are posing ideas. How would you react in this situation? How would you deal with this? Mm-hmm. There are so many of those. Uh, so many times there's like a demon that's making them do all this or a, a spell that goes wrong or I don't know. It's, it's just really interesting, non-conventional ways of scaring the shit out of us. Mm-hmm. And that's it for me. Yeah, I guess then, that, then that's me, right? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, this is hard to talk about uh, because this is called Two to Go. It's because the episode that precedes it, the last line that Willow says is one down. And it's because she just flayed Warren because Warren killed Tara. And we've got Dark Willow. And that whole episode is about her really going after the other two guys and, you know, getting all this power. And she's really become this, like, unstoppable witch, right? And the reason that this is my honorable mention is because of the last thing that happens in this episode. So there's, like, this big fight. Willow sort of, like, wins and she tells Buffy you know there's no one on earth with enough power to stop me from doing what I'm about to do (laughs) and then like right as she says that bam blast knocks out and you see Giles who Mm. has been not there for a while it's like I'd like to test that theory and (laughs) I remember like standing up I was like Yo! Oh my god! Like, because there's like a point where it's like, what are they going to do? Other than like, kill Willow. But like, how could they even kill Willow? Like, how how are they going to be able to stop her? And it's like, bam, they need Giles. Yes. And it was, it just didn't even occur to me that something like that would have ever happened. And it was... Such a badass moment. Such a really cool, exciting way of going into the finale. Like, the finale is great, but that moment is why the penultimate episode, to me, is better (laughs) than the finale. Is because of that one little bit. Yeah, Daddy Giles. Daddy Giles, indeed. Indeed. (laughs) Uh, I did want to... This is sort of not even relevant, because if anyone's listening that hasn't seen this has already been spoiled so much. Yeah. But uh, one funny thing that I noticed while watching this is never ever watch the previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. Because (laughs) there will be a character missing for seasons. And then in the previously, they'll show something from like three seasons ago. And you're like, well, (laughs) I guess Oz is in this episode. I guess Giles is back. And it's like, fuck, like it it really does kind of ruin. uh, It does spoil sometimes. But uh, I just that was a funny note that I 
noticed. We would never watch that part, and then I would put my hands up in front of my face until the credits went past. Because, like, the credits that came up on the screen, because I was like, I don't want to see who's in this episode. I don't want to see, you know. Yeah, that's a good idea. Like, every single episode, I would put my hand up in front of my face. <laughs> oh, okay, I guess, yeah, I'm done with that one. It's It truly is just for that moment. <laughs> but I love it so much. Okay, so Conversations with Dead People is Season 7, Episode 7. So this this episode is, is this actually an anthology of several stories playing out over the course of a single night. Even though these characters never interact, actually a lot happens to push the stories forward. They all interact in some way with uh, a character who has died. So Buffy's lighthearted slash violent slash like therapeutic run in with her old classmate leaves her aware that Spike is killing again. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't remember this episode very well. Yeah, so it's really actually really good. It starts out with this like, I don't know, it's it's very like melancholy, but it's it's beautiful song by this this singer named Angie Hart and actually Joss Whedon, I guess they're friends in some regard because they worked together a couple of times, but he wrote this song with her. It's called Blue by Angie Hart, and uh, she's like a, a pop singer in Australia. But uh, it kind of starts with that, and you see Spike at the bar. And it's interesting because he doesn't really have, like, I don't I don't think he ever says anything. Like, his he, he doesn't have a conversation. But uh, it's still actually a, a pretty prevalent storyline, just because you see that he is killing again. Uh, another storyline that, you know, pushes the narrative forward is, you know, Andrew and Jonathan come back to Sunnydale only for the ghost of Warren to basically talk Andrew into killing Jonathan. So oh, fuck, that's right. Jonathan dies in this episode. Dang, that's right. I totally forgot. Yeah. And then Willow and Dawn's interactions uh, with their dead loved ones are like just direct examples of the power of this season's big bad, the first or whatever, like to show you what this entity can do. Uh, I mean, the Dawn storyline in this episode is so scary and horrific. It's so scary. And and like, it's not even confirmed what's really happening to Don, but like I've read about it and they have confirmed that it, that's also the first. Mm-hmm. Willow's storyline is, is tainted a little bit because Amber Benson didn't want Tara to have what would be her last appearance to be an evil version of her. She was going to be that character that comes back and talks to her. But again, she she opted out. So that's why they brought in this other mm-hmm. person. Wait, someone else came back as Tara? No. No, I get what I'm saying is is that in this episode, there is a character who um, was on the show at one point, but she comes back. Her name is Cassie, and she's talking to Willow, and she says, I can communicate with Tara. Oh. The original idea of it was that it would actually be Tara, but what Amber Benson didn't want is for her last appearance of the, as the character to be as an evil version of her. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. I remember that. This is another one that I feel like it should have totally gotten nominated for an Emmy. It's like horrifying, but also very compelling at the same time. The benefit of this episode is that each story uh, was actually written by a unique writer. So Jane Espenson, who's like a longtime Buffy writer, but she's also written for Angel and Jessica Jones and Game of Thrones and Once Upon a Time, tons of different shows. She wrote all the Dawn scenes. Drew Goddard of like Bad Times, Cabin in the Woods, Martian. He wrote uh, all the the trio scenes, 
Wow. Uh, Marty Noxon. Good old good old dude Marty Noxon. Marty Noxon is I know that was just <laughs> So um <laughs> another longtime Buffy writer who wrote and produced for Angel, Brothers and Sisters, Grey's Anatomy, and Sharp Objects. Uh, wrote the Willow Cassie scenes, and then Joss Whedon wrote the Buffy Holden scenes. So I thought that was really neat. Like it, it yeah. truly is an anthology. Like they, each of them got to to write their own little story. That is cool. I also just wanted to point out that uh, this is the only Xanderless episode in the entire series, and it's solely because Eric Balfour wasn't able to come back and be his dead person. Eric Balfour plays his friend that dies in like the first season, I believe. Oh, Jesse. Yeah, yeah. Jesse oh, from like season the, one. Like the first episode of season one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. <laughs> he would have been his dead person, but he wasn't able to come back. That would have been sick as hell. Dang, I did not <laughs> know that. That would have been so cool. If they'd have been able to get wow. Tara back and they'd have been able to get Eric Balfour back, I feel like this would have been an even better episode. But it's still really interesting because – there is just like a lot of tension within these conversations. This Cassie girl tries to get Willow to commit suicide. Obviously, Dawn's being haunted out of her fucking mind. The only really action that you see is just a couple of little punches or jabs with Buffy. One, one last thing I wanted to say, because I always talk about like awards and shit like that. Yeah. Uh, the Hugo Awards, which are presented by the World Science Fiction Society, they present them to like the best science fiction or fantasy works of every year. And 2003, this episode won Best Dramatic Presentation, short form. Wow. Oh, that's cool. And that was all my notes for that. If you guys like don't remember that episode, it really is worth revisiting. I do now that you said it, yeah. Yeah. Another interesting swing, like to, to have an anthology episode. Totally, totally. Season six and season seven are the uh, seasons that I've rewatched the least. I can understand that. I, I would like to watch them more. Well, damn, guys. Well, we've made it through the entire series talking about episodes that we loved and things that we loved. And we answered a bunch of questions and talked about vulvas and <laughs> just a lot of wonderful amazing things that have happened over the past month or so yes yes and thank you i think it's fair that this has been so many episodes because we have been talking about doing this for a very long time that's so, very true yeah yeah thank well, you totally for humoring have. me thank you for loving buffy thank you to <laughs> listeners if they've stuck around long enough to hear the end of the this series of episodes i love it so much I hope you do too. <laughs> we do, but you know what we love more than Buffy? <laughs> what? Guess. <laughs> <laughs> Me. You. <laughs>